I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter number 28. And then if you want to, you can turn over to Acts chapter number 1. Uh, we'll have it on the screen if you don't like flipping that many times. Uh, but I want to I answer a question. I want to answer a question this morning. Today is the day we kick off our uh, church planning campaign for this year. And, and we've been doing this for several years and, and we'll continue to do it until Jesus comes. And uh, uh, I, I've, I've been posed the question many times, why? Preacher, there's this, we, we need, we, we've got this need and we've got that to do and, and there's so many things here and there. And uh, why don't we do this and why don't we do that? Why are we planning churches? Why are we raising money to send missionaries to places we'll never see in our lifetime? We'll never, we'll never be able to uh, 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 witness it ourselves. Well, we can. You have the ability. We can send you uh, to all of these places. Uh, but most of us will never see where our money's going when it comes to that, that area of the world. So why do we do it? Why do we do it? Why do we, why do we uh, sacrifice? Why do we... Uh, give and why do we spend so much effort training people to share their faith and to go share their faith? Why do we do this? Uh, I want to answer that question this morning. I want to take just a little while, and this is this is going to be uh, this is not going to be a rah rah message. This is not going to be uh, one of those that we're going to shout it out and you know and and all of that. But we're going to learn. We're going to learn, and and, and God's going to help us today. If you're here for the very first time, I'm tickled to death that you're here. One of the things that we do at Temple Baptist Church every year is we raise money to plant churches in unreached people groups. In other words, places where they do not have the gospel. And we want to get the gospel to them. So with that being said, let's look at the, 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 the book of Matthew chapter 28 in verse number 18. Matthew 28, verse 18. And what is, the, what, is the title, what is the title of the message this morning? Look at your notes. Say it again. We're going to answer that question. All right, let's read. Matthew 28 and verse number 18. And who? Jesus. How many of y'all know he's the boss? The moment you got saved, according to, according to uh, uh, Romans chapter number 10... The Bible says that if we'll believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, if we will confess him Lord, confess him Lord. In other words, the moment you got saved, you turned over authority and the rights to your life to him. In the moment you got saved, he, 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 he not only became your savior, he became your Lord. And the word Lord just basically means this. He's your boss. He has the authority to tell us what to do. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now look what it says. And Jesus came and spake unto them saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Say that with me. And teach all nations, all nations. If you will study the word all in the Greek, it means literally all. Okay. Now that we're all listening, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. So Jesus, right before he left, he told the people who were following him to go into every nation and teach them. The word teach here means make disciples. That's what it means. Literally, make disciples. In other words, the last words before Jesus went back to heaven, the last commandment he gave to his disciples, his followers, is to go into all what? 
all nations and make disciples. Now let's look in Acts chapter number one, verse number eight. Let's look in Acts chapter one, verse eight. If you'll put it on the screen, if you'll put it on the screen for those that don't have their Bibles, watch what it says. Everybody there? But ye shall receive power. Amen. You're going to receive ability. I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to give you what you need to be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem. Jerusalem happened to be where they are. So if we were to read this in our, in our, to, to apply to us, it would say, you are to be witnesses unto me in Coleman. If that makes sense, say amen. So that's why, that's why we're training you. That's why we're sending you. That's why I'm encouraging everybody to share their faith and share your story. Because he says, I want you to be witnesses to me in Coleman. So here in this verse, it says both in Jerusalem and in Judea and where? Samaria and unto the. Now, now, did you see that word and Jerusalem and and Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Not, not one or the other. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that wants to reach Jerusalem. But they, care, they could care less about Samaria and Judea and the uttermost part. Now, that is bad theology. God says, I want you to reach Jerusalem and slam to the other end of the world. Our job is not finished. Our job is not complete. If all we're doing is reaching Coleman, but we are to reach Coleman. We are to reach, listen, Alabama. We are to reach our nation. We are to reach nations across this world, even to the uttermost. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. I am so thrilled to be here. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to share with your people what you have shared with me. And God, I pray that you'll use this for your glory. And God will give you glory and praise and honor. We have so enjoyed your presence already in this worship. And I pray that you'll be edified. And, and Lord, your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Look here. Why are we doing this? Why are we raising money? Why are we taking these boxes home and asking God to fill them so that we can plant churches in the uttermost parts of the world? First of all, number one, if you're taking notes, and I would encourage you to do that. Why are we doing this? Number one, it's a matter of obedience. Write that down. It's a matter of of obedience. Now, if you were raised, if you were raised like I was raised, which a lot of you are not, and uh, and it shows. Say amen. <laughs> uh, but if you were, uh, you never, ever, ever, ever thought about asking the question why. If you were told to do something by your mama. Or your daddy. And if you did ask why, you never, ever, ever, ever got an explanation. Listen, this is what, this is what you would hear. Why, why do I need to do that, dad? Cause. You were raised like me. Because. In other words, you don't need an explanation. You don't need to understand why. You need to do it because I said so. Which would be followed by the threats of your life. Are y'all with me? Now, I don't really need to preach anymore. But I'm going to. But that's all we need to know. Because God said to do it. God said to do it. Now, watch this. It's a matter of obedience. It's a matter of obedience. 
we, we see in Acts, he said, go to the uttermost parts of the earth. Go be witnesses unto me. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Teach all nations. Make disciples of all nations. In other gospels we see, it says preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. Now, Here's what I want you to see. If you'll look down in that verse, we're going to go to the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 15. Now, I know you're thinking, why in the world are we going to the Old Testament talking about the New Testament church and church planting? I'll show you why. In 1 Samuel chapter number 15, uh, to, to, to shorten this up, I want you to know God gave Saul some commandments. He told them, I want you to destroy the Amalekites. I want you to destroy everything that's there. I want you to destroy cattle. In other words, obliterate everything because of their great, great wickedness and the the years and years of their wickedness. I want them judged. But he didn't do it. He didn't do it. He didn't completely obey. Uh, He somewhat obeyed. He did some of what God. How many of y'all know if you only do some of it, you still disobey? Are y'all with me? And, and so Samuel is correcting him. Samuel is confronting him. God sent his man to him and said, why didn't you do what I said? So he starts making excuses. He said, oh, 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 I know, I know that, 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 that God said that we're supposed to destroy all of this cattle and destroy all the sheep. And all, but we just saved it so we could worship with them. We saved it so we could offer sacrifices unto God. Number one, he's lying. He's lying. Uh, Number two, he wasn't wanting to worship. He's using it as an excuse. Number three, it does not matter. Even if he was telling the truth, even if he was serious about it, God cares more about his obedience than his worship. Now watch this. Watch what he says. In 1 Samuel 15, 22, And Samuel said, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? You see, they would burn offerings and offer sacrifices as worship. In other words, God said, Samuel is saying, do you think God cares more about your worship than obeying what I told you to do? He says, as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, behold, say it with me, to, everybody say it again, to, so here's, here's what I want you to write down. First of all, A, I want you to see the truth about obedience. The truth about obedience. God wants you to obey him. Period. Okay, God wants you to obey him. And this is the truth about obedience. Obedience is more important than you coming in here and singing, oh, how I love Jesus. Let me illustrate it this way. You can come in here and sing, oh, how I love Jesus and how great thou art all you want to and offer your praise and offer your worship to him. And you walk out them doors and you disobey him in your lifestyle, in the way you're living. You are wasting your time coming in here and singing Kumbaya. Because it only makes you a hypocrite and it's, it's nauseating in the nostrils of God. And God says, if you're not going to obey me, you are wasting your time trying to worship me. But, and you say, why is that? Do you realize that obedience is just as much a part of worship? We see, we have, we have kind of messed up people in this, this, this idea of worship. Uh, uh, We call Jalen the worship pastor because he leads in the music. And so that makes people think that worship is just about singing. That's worship. And then we're going to have preaching, but preaching is worship. Singing is worship. Praying is worship. But the most important part about worship is obedience. The very first time you see the word worship in the Bible is when Abraham was taking Isaac up onto the top of the mountain to sacrifice him and give him back to God like God told him to do. And this is what he said. He tells the young men, y'all stay here. Me and my son Isaac is going up there and we're going to... In other words, his obedience was worship to God. There was no choir up there. 
There was no platform up there. There was no singers up there. There was no praise team up there. There was no band up there. There was no singing up there. It was one man obeying what God told him to do. And Abraham called that. And here's the thing. If we disobey him out there and then try to worship him in here, we're wasting our time. We're wasting our time. God said, I'd rather you obey me. I'd rather you obey me than not sing, a, not sing one single verse in this place. Because your obedience is more important than your singing. Hello, man, it's quiet in here. Preacher, what are you saying about obedience? It's most important. That's the truth about obedience. Now let's look at the truth about disobedience. Write that down. This is what Samuel says. Not only, not only would God rather you show obedience than offer your worship. Watch what he says here. Verse 23. For rebellion, rebellion is as the sin of good gracious. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. That's what he told to Saul. For rebellion is the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. There's two major things here. Witchcraft and idolatry. Witchcraft and idolatry. You know, Matthew Henry, he's a very old, old commentator. He said that nothing is so provoking to God as disobedience. Setting up our wills in competition with his. This is here called rebellion and stubbornness and is said to be as bad as. Hmm. It is as bad to set up other gods as to live in disobedience to the true God. Now, now, if, if, you're, if, if you have somewhat any ounce of spirituality in you at all, it would, it would nauseate you to look at the witchcraft that's going on in this world. The dark crafts, the black occult, all of these things. And, and you, see, you see what's happening in this world. And when you think witchcraft, you think awful, awful, awful. When we show you videos of, of the foreign field and, and we go into these countries where they, they've got idols set up and, and, and they've even sacrificed people to these idols and, and they bow down to these idols and it, it should make you sick to your stomach. You think this is an idol. This is terrible. This is idolatry. But God is saying, if you live in disobedience to me, you're just as bad. You're just as bad. You see, we cannot take this Bible and use it as a buffet. Now, I love buffets. So I can say, I like that. I like that. And I like that. I took my father to a Chinese buffet when he first moved to Coleman. Now, y'all know my dad's country, country is cornbread. He'd never been to a Chinese restaurant, wasn't going to go to a Chinese restaurant. He don't do that kind of thing. He is a cheeseburger, meat and potatoes, meatloaf. Uh, are y'all with me? I begged him, please come, please go with me. He said, I said, look, dad, it's a buffet. You can look on there. If it looks like you would like it, then pick that. If you don't, just get something else. Just, just look around. You'll see what you like and try it. I finally talked him into it. We got to the buffet. I go up there and I know what I want because I go a lot. And so I made my plate and everything, went and sat down and waited and waited and waited and waited. And I'm like, what in the world is he doing? Well, he finally comes around the corner and he sits down and, and I'm telling you, he is as white as a ghost. How many of y'all have ever heard of Hunan beef and Hunan pork? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? I said, dad, what is wrong? He said, oh, my soul, son, son, I, I, 
I was at that buffet and I looked at that sign and I thought that thing said human beef. I said, did you pick it? He said, no. I said, who nan? Who nan, dad? Who nan? You can, you can pick and choose. You know what's sad? In the American church, they've got this idea that they can do this part, but not this part. I'm going to do this if I feel comfortable with, and I'm going to do this part that I enjoy, but I'm going to leave these others out because I really don't like that. That's going to mess up my life. Hello, that don't work. A little obedience is still. So preacher, why are we doing this? It's a matter of obedience. It's a matter that God told us to do it. And if God told us to do it, we should not even slow up one ounce. We should say, yes, sir. And all God's people say it. Number two. Number two. This is a biggie. You're going to love this one. First one's kind of tough because we don't like that. Because we live in a society, we don't like to be told what to do, do we? Come on. It was so quiet a while ago, we could had devotion. Y'all, y'all, y'all ain't going to be honest now. Nobody likes to be told what to do, especially in America. But watch what it has here. This is good. Number one, what was number one? It's a matter of obedience because he said so. Say it with me. Because he says it. Number two, it's a matter of opportunity. It's a matter of opportunity. I love this. I love this. How many of y'all got kids in here? And you're not ashamed of it. Raise your hand. All right. All right. How many of you got grandkids in here? Ain't they awesome? They're way better than kids. You know what? This little tool right here. You think it's just about getting a church planted where there isn't one. But God is creating an opportunity for you. He's creating an opportunity for you. First of all, write this down, A, to build your faith. To build your faith. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? A couple years ago, I, I encouraged you, challenged you, especially the critics in here, because we got them. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I don't know why we got to do that. <laughs> and usually, usually, I just say, if you don't want to, don't do it. Just don't whine about those that will do it. And I, you know, usually have an attitude about it because I, I, I can't stand whiners. Well, I don't like how you're doing it. Well, I don't like how you're not doing it. <clears throat> but, but God kind of, he kind of fixed me, you know. He, he, I'm, I'm, he's always having straightened me out. Y'all, y'all so lucky because God don't let me away with anything. When I get attitudes about something, he fixes my attitude, straightens me out. And this is what he said. He said, just tell the biggest critic in the room. Just take one of these boxes home, set it on the counter, and say, God, you feel it. If you want me to do it, you feel it. And watch me go to work. And so we did. And he did. Now watch this. Watch this. You got a Bible for that? Let me show you. Let me show you. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And what's the next two words? Prove me. Say that with me. And now in America, we say, try me. That's what that means. Test me or try me. See if I'll do what I say. Put me to the test. Isn't that amazing? God is telling us, put me to the test. Try me. See if I won't do what? Herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now watch this here. Here's, here's the opportunity. Here's the opportunity. You have an opportunity to show your children 
that God is real. You set that up there. Watch this. I'm talking to, I'm talking to parents and grandparents. Watch here. Set that thing up on your counter. And you get little Johnny and little Susie and, 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 and little Julio and Cletus right there. You line them right up. And you say, look here. We're going to pray that God will give us the money to put in that, in that box. Now, let's pray. You line them up and you all all pray. And say, God, you said for us to, to go into the uttermost parts of this world and tell people about Jesus and plant churches so that they can know who Jesus is. Now, Lord, I pray that you'll give us the money to put in this box. And Lord, if you'll give us the money to put in this box, we'll put in this box and we'll, we'll do what you've commanded us to do. And let all the little ones pray that same prayer. And then what's going to happen is that money's going to come in unexpectedly from sources you didn't even plan on. It's not going to come out of your regular budget, your general budget, and you're going to line them right back up. And you're going to say, look what God did. God sent this and we get to put it in here. I didn't know this was coming. I didn't know where this was going to come from, but God did it. Look at here. And they're going to go, Let me share let me share the saddest verse in the Bible. The saddest verse in the Bible. Everybody look at me. This is so big. In the book of Judges, chapter number two. Judges chapter number two. And I think it's in verse 10. You don't turn there. I'm gonna just you can if you want to, but 210. The Bible says that Joshua died. They're in the promised land. Joshua and all the leaders with him, they died. And there arose another generation. How many of y'all know there's generations coming after us? There arose another generation who knew not the Lord, nor the works that he had done. You know what they did? They forsook the Lord. And they served Baal. And the gods of those around them. Now there's a lot of preaching in that. I don't have time to go into. But let me, let me show you the point. They had heard about God. But they'd never seen what he could do. Now watch this now. Everybody look at me. This is going to be big. This is going to be big. Everybody look at me, especially you parents with little ones. They have seen, everybody look at me now. This is important. This is important. Parents, your little ones have seen what you do for God. But have they seen what God has done for you? You see, if all they see is what you do for him, it's not real. But if they see something that he does for you, he becomes real. When they see that he answers your prayer, that this only happened because God done it. It builds, listen, it doesn't just build their faith. It'll build your faith. It'll build your faith. Right, one, one Wednesday, one Wednesday, that morning, I was walking the parking lot. That was when I was trying to get in shape again one of the many times. <clears throat> and I was praying, and my truck needed tires. This is God's truth. My truck needed tires bad. And I was praying. I said, Lord, I need some tires. But more importantly than my truck needing tires, my faith, my faith was fluttering a little bit. We were going through some difficulty and, and I was, I was discouraged and I just needed, I just needed an uplift, if you will. I just needed to know that God was still there. I know that's crazy. Oh, you're the preacher. You're supposed to, know. I know, but sometimes every little bit helps. And I was discouraged and I was down and I was walking and, 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 and I was praying and said, God, I need some tires. 
and I need you to give me some tires. And God, I'm not going to tell one single person, not one single soul am I going to tell about this so that I'll know, you know, if the preacher throws out a need out here, I mean, all of you guys love me so much, you'll be coming up here and say, hey, let me help you with that. Let me do that. And I appreciate that. I really do. You guys are so much better to me than I am to you. And I appreciate that. And you do so much for me and you love me. But I needed to know. And I needed a, I needed a fresh vision of God. I needed a fresh move of God. I needed to see and feel God. I said, God, I'm not going to tell one single soul. I want you to provide tires for me. And I, I didn't tell a soul. That was Wednesday morning. Come in here for Bible study. Preach Bible study. I'm fixing to leave. Somebody walks by me and says, hey, preacher, come here, come here, come here. Gave me an old big old bear hug and shook my hand with one of them handshakes. Y'all know what I mean? And I felt it. And I was like, ooh. I just stuck it in my pocket and said, hey, I just want you to know I love you. And left. He had no idea. No clue what I prayed that morning. I didn't even know what it was, how much it was. Make a long story short, I went to Walmart the next day, got my tires, and it was the exact amount for what I needed for my tires. <laughs> Yesterday I was discouraged. Now I'm skipping to beat this high off the ground. Had nothing to do with the tires. I've had tires before. And if the truth, listen, hey, I seen God answer my prayer. I want to ask you a question. How many prayers has your kids seen God answer for you? You are wasting incredible opportunities to show your kids that God is real. Now, let me show you something. I don't mean, I don't know why I'm getting so much into this, but this, this is, this is so important. Did you notice what that verse said? It said, they knew not the Lord, nor the works that he has done. And they forsook the Lord and followed the gods of the people around them. In other words, the false cults in the, in the culture around them. Do you realize you're sending your kids in such an antichrist culture out there where they want to set up drag shows to read to your children in the libraries and in schools, secular schools. They're telling you, your kids, that there is no God, that they came from a monkey. They just evolved and became this. There was a big bang and everything was. They are taking God out of everything. And if you don't put something in them, they're going to be influenced by the gods around them. Have they seen God do something for you? Oh, preacher, they see me go to church every week. Yes, they see what you do for God. But have they seen what God does for you? This is an opportunity. It's an incredible opportunity for you to show your children and your grandchildren that God is real. It's an opportunity to build your faith. It's an opportunity to bless your finances. I don't know about y'all, but I need mine blessed. Look what it says. I'm just reading the Bible. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and what? Shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Let me read that again. Give and it shall be given unto you good measure. Say it with me. And. 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 Now, for you Yankees, are you city people? Who don't know what that means. Country people know what that means. Especially country people that's raised peas. How many of y'all have ever had purple hull? Purple hole peas and black eyed peas and how many? Not had them. I mean, some of y'all city people ate them in a restaurant, but how many of y'all picked them? 
I never had done that before. And I went over to Brother Junior Fussell's. He was a guy in my dad's church, and I love peas. And he said, Preacher, you want some peas? I said, Yes, sir. He said, Well, come on over and get you some. And I went over there. I was expecting peas. And all I got was a bushel. He said, now go pick them. I said, okay, no problem. This ain't that complicated. So we're out there and I pick my peas. And I come to him and I said, I'm done. He said, no, you ain't. What was the first thing he did? He began to shake that. That bushel basket. And you know what they did? And then he. Now go get some more. Yes, sir. I went and got some more. And I done figured it out by now. When I got to the end of that row. And I come back another road until it was. That's what God's trying to tell you. Listen, God will bless you beyond your capability of being blessed. I, I didn't read. I didn't read my opinion. I read what Jesus said. Matter of fact, these are Jesus's own words. Look what he says. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a. Now here's, here, my, my theology used to be, Listen, I've heard preachers say, well, if you can't give with a cheerful heart, don't give. And I would say, no, you give, God will help you with your attitude. But that's not even real good theology. That's not good theology. Because if we give with a cheerful heart, if we give because we want to please God, if we give because we want to obey the command of God, then watch what he says he will do. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Now I know what some of y'all are thinking. Everybody look at me. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. If you watch the news, if you watch the news, you're going, I'm going to have to, No, that's a bad move. I'm not going to try to grip tighter to what I got because the tighter you grip to what you have, the faster it's going to go out your hands. But if I say, Lord, here it is. Here it is, Lord. Then he's responsible. How many of y'all, how many of y'all have like quoting that verse? My God shall supply all your needs. How many of y'all like quoting that? Now we all claim that. We do. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. We all love to claim that. But do you know who Paul's telling that to? He's telling it to people who had just given him an offering for the ministry to plant churches and win souls. So he's not telling everybody in a, in a blanket statement that no matter who you are, God's going to supply your need. He's telling it to people who have sacrificed and had given to the cause of Christ and to the kingdom of God. God will make, because he's, re, he's reassuring them that even though you sacrificed and gave, my God will supply all your, you're not going to go without. Hello. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You know what that verse is about? It's not talking about sin. Now we can apply it to sin and we do it all the time. 
You know, preachers from ever since I've been a little kid, you go read it. Now don't, don't take my word for it. Go read the whole chapter and see what he's talking about. We'll say, you're going to read what you sow. Bless God, you live out in sin, you're going to reap. And, and that's true because there is the law of sowing and reaping. But what he's talking about there is giving. It's giving. He said, you will never sow without. If you sow corn, you're going to reap. If you sow it bountifully, you're going to reap it. If you sow it sparingly, you're going to reap it. God will not be mocked. The word mock means to bad mouths. Let me, let me put it into a way we can understand it. Nobody will ever say, well, God owes me. All I've given to him. Nuh-uh. Because if you give, it shall be given back to you. If you sow, you're going to. In other words, nothing you ever give to God will be a gift. It will always be an investment. And with an investment, you get a, and all God's people say it. Say, preacher, what is this? Oh, it's just an opportunity to let God bless your finances. It's a, it's a matter of obedience. It's a matter of opportunity. Lastly, and this may be the most important. It's a matter of obligation. It's a matter of obligation. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Paul is writing a letter to the Romans. In Romans chapter 1 verse 14. Now don't, don't lose me now. Don't lose me. Stay with me. Paul said, I am, what's that word? I am debtor. The word debtor means a person who is under what? Obligation. A person who is under obligation. Watch this now. Paul says, I am debtor. I am obligated both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. Both to the wise and to the unwise. Now, Greeks and barbarians didn't have the gospel. They didn't have the Jewish heritage and they didn't have the law and they didn't have the scriptures. And he said, I owe them. I owe the people that don't have what I have. I am dead or I'm obligated. So because I'm obligated, verse 15, so as much as is in me is, I am ready to preach the to you that are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What is Paul saying? He said, I'm obligated. I go, Paul went to places where he was threatened. Paul went to places and he was stoned and left to die. Paul went to places and he was beaten, had many stripes put on his back. He was beaten with rods by the Romans three times. He was in shipwreck three different times before the final shipwreck in Acts. He went to places that called him a babbler. He went to places where they rejected him. He went to places where they tried to kill him. He was beaten and battered and bruised. And he, listen, he went through all of that. What motivated Paul to do that and, and experience that kind of suffering and difficulty just to go tell somebody that Jesus loves them? This we know for the Bible tells us so. What would motivate him? He says, I am obligated. I'm obligated. Why was he obligated? First of all, write this down quickly, quickly. We're running out of time. Write this down. Because of the pardon. Because of the pardon I've experienced. How many of y'all are saved this morning? Raise your hand. You know, you know how you got saved? Somebody gave you the gospel. What if that somebody had not given you the gospel? You know why that person gave you the gospel? Because they felt obligated to give you the gospel because somebody gave them the gospel. Yes. I, wrote, I wrote in here a story. I gave you the, I, I gave you the verse. I think it's in, in, in uh, uh, well, I didn't put it in there. There was, there was 
a time in the nation of Israel where they were besieged by the, the, the Syrian army, Ben-Hadad. And they were completely blocked in and they were starving them out. They were starving them out to the point that they, they cooked their children to eat. It was that bad. Well, God moved in a miraculous way. Make a long story short, God moved in a miraculous way. There were lepers. They were lepers that were outside the camp because the lepers couldn't be in with a general population. So they're outside the camp. And they say, we can't go in there because they won't let us. Maybe we'll go to the Syrian army and they will, they will have mercy on us and at least give us something to eat. And they went to the Syrian army and there was nobody there. All the tents were there. All the wealth was there. All the food was there. But the army had gone. God done scared them to death, sent them away. And so they went into one tent and they started chowing down. I mean, getting with the program. They was eating and eating and putting stuff in and putting place. Man, look at this. Look at this gold and look at this silk. Look at these garments. Man, this is great. They, and then it just, they just stopped. So wait a minute. There's people back there starving to death. If we don't go tell them, we do not do well. So they went back and told them. And here's the thing. It was one beggar. Telling another beggar where they found bread. You know, we as Christians, when we go share our faith and we share the gospel, it's one beggar telling another beggar where we found bread. We're obligated. We're obligated because of the pardon we've experienced. Watch this now. Because of the privilege that we've enjoyed. The privilege we've enjoyed. Now I need you to write that down and look at me. Don't you, don't, don't, don't you, don't, don't, don't be folding stuff up. You stay with me. I know I'm going a little long, but I need you to get this. How many of y'all, how many of y'all grew up in America? Raise your hand. I know that's, that sounds crazy, but that, listen, there's people here from all over. I met a, a, a lady in the, in the, in the sandwich shop, uh, had an accent, so I wanted to witness to her. And I, I said, man, where are you from? She said, Ukraine. Can you imagine? Yeah. I said, I sure am glad you're here. She said, I sure am glad I am here. Raise your hand again. How many of y'all raised, born and raised in America? You know what that means? Your great, great grandparents had access to the gospel. You have such easy access to the gospel, all you got to do is go to, you can go to almost any store and you can buy a New Testament. You have the gospel on TV, you have the gospel on the radio, you can, you can drive down about any street in Coleman County and you can find a church somewhere. Before I learned how to read, I could sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Preacher, what is that? It's called privilege. I know that's a nasty word right now because of all the chaos in our country and, and, uh, and, 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 and you can argue whatever on that. But I'm going to tell you, if you were born in America, you are blessed. Yeah. If you want to use the word blessed or privileged, whatever you want to use, but I'm telling you, we have been blessed and privileged to have access to the gospel. But there's going to be children that will be born and raised and grow up and die and never have the privilege of hearing the name Jesus. Let me show you. I'm done. This is it, and I'm done. A Yanga. A Yanga. Listen, this gentleman, if someone had told Ayanga that he would one day serve a God other than the one he has known his entire life, he, would have believed, he wouldn't have believed it. Idol worship was deeply ingrained in him and he saw nothing wrong in sacrificing animals or at times humans. Dancing in front of the idols, feeding them, chanting incantations was a normal and enjoyable occurrence for him. But he's 75 years old. Look at this. He looks a hundred. 
his life has just took a toll on him. A Yanga reflected on his life as a farmer, no longer strong enough to support his family and worried what would happen after he died. The idols he worshipped his entire life gave no guidance or answers. There was no church in Ayanga's village. So he never heard about the hope that exists in Christ. So when Atu, a TTI church planner, walked up to his home one day, Ayanga had no idea how his life would change. He was sitting in his usual spot in front of his house when Atu approached him and told him the story, as well, his story as well as God's story. Ayanga was astounded by God's saving grace and questioned whether God could have mercy on a sinner like him. He assured Ayanga that if he accepted him into his life, God would mercifully forgive all his sins and transform him into a new being. Ayanga was deeply moved by these words, so he vowed to stop worshiping idols and accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. Ayanga refused to let salvation in with him. He shared his newfound faith with his wife, his sons, and their wives, and they all gave their lives to Christ. This community, which was previously without a church, now has a new church fellowship of believers and encourage one another in the Lord. As Ayanga continued to face the challenges of old age, this community of believers provided spiritual and provisional support to him whenever possible. Ayanga lives joyfully every day, trusting in God and using his story to spread God's word to others. Now watch. He almost lived, born, lived, and died without the privilege of hearing about Jesus. But last year, you said, I'm going to obey God and I'm going to fill up these boxes so that we can send a missionary to a village that never have heard about Jesus. And because of what you did last year, this man that you see right here got to get saved before he died. Amen. Why? Thank you, Lord. you ask why? That's why. That's why. And all of God's people say it.